0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11. As always, we are brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy, Placer, Apogee Strong, upcoming Apogee, you and our friends over at discoverpraxis.com. Uh, today's guest is a man who has been in the quote-unquote manosphere uh, for a long time. Um, many people knew him originally from being a, a strong man and a, and a strength coach, um, but recently has also transitioned into coaching men uh, in that masculinity space too. And he is a controversial figure and you're definitely going to hear why. So so be ready. I mean, because he gets really real um, and he's not afraid to share his opinions. And he really brought um, just some different conversations for the young men of Apogee Strong and uh, they left better men for it. Uh, and it's just created some great conversations afterwards. So give it up for Mr. Elliot Hulse. Front Mr. Hulse. How are you doing, sir? All is well, Matt. Thanks for having me, buddy. Man, it is absolutely an honor and a pleasure and I'm glad we got to uh got to make this happen, man. We have got young men on this call from all over the world, sir, and they are uh, committed to this Apogee program of of 12 months of projects and challenges and workouts and readings, uh, and then getting to connect with good men like yourself uh, who are encouraging them to be the men that we need, man. So it is an honor to have you, sir, because I know you've been in this space for a long time and you are a good man leading by example. That's right, man. Good to be here with you. Yes, sir. It is, it is beautiful. Um, so I want to, before we even begin, man, I was just in Mexico uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and was with uh, with Bedros and Mickler, uh, Tanner, Jack Donovan, a couple of those guys. We were down there working on a project, and there was a gentleman named Will uh, down there too who is putting together a, a documentary series, and I know I saw you on there and saw saw your family on there too, so... Um, how was that experience, man?
1: That's pretty good, man. I'm happy that he's, uh, taking on a project like that because it's so needed today, man.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We need to, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing the outcome of that. So, man, I've been a fan for a long time of, of all of your, of your messages. You know, we are, um, we had a talk with these young guys earlier today about that whole cycle of weak men create. You know the the hard times and the hard times creating the the stronger men and so you know we kind of went where are we now you know and in, in that cycle and and so you've yeah. been somebody that's been preaching from the rooftops man for for a long time so I want to go into your journey a little bit and how you kind of got to where you were and and I want to get your thoughts around that so do you mind kind of giving us a little bit of the the Elliot origin story a little bit uh, you know you're a young man and and kind of that upbringing for you can we start there.
1: Yeah, well, I got to start out by saying that I'm lucky. And by the grace of God, I have a father. And uh, you know, I don't know how it is with the young man here, but we are living in a world that lacks father energy. Uh, we don't even know how to relate to our dads. I know I didn't. And uh, not only did I have a father, my dad's an alpha male, a strong man, but he didn't grow up in the same gynocentric culture with a soft, feminized, effeminate culture that we grew up in. He grew up in a jungle. My dad's from Belize. So his education didn't come from, you know, Miss Cindy standing at the front of the class telling us how we're supposed to act. His education came from running with a gang of boys in the jungle. And so when he came here and he had me and raised my raised my raised his family, me and my siblings, I didn't understand how to relate to him because all the things that he was doing that was so, what people would today call toxic, you know, speaking up, stating your opinion, not taking garbage from anybody, um, understanding gender roles and being a real man at home and my mother following suit, I thought he was wrong. And so I I bumped heads with him a lot when I was a kid because I thought he was being too hard and he was being, like I said earlier, toxic. And it wasn't until I had my own children that I recognize, man, what the world needs is more dads like mine. Uh, it's not easy because the generations in our world are turned against each other. Maybe for the past, since the 1950s, maybe the past 70 generation, years, the generations have been taught to know themselves and to relate to their schoolmates. And what happens there is you listen to the same music, you watch the same movies, you have the same styles but then you become cut off from the vertical integration of intergenerational wisdom. And, and, and with that, you, we end up having multiple generations of dads that don't know how to be dads, men that were not trained how to be men. And we look to our mommies and we look to school teachers and we look to pop culture to, to tell us how to be. And all of that is, all of that, not only is it turning us the wrong way, but it has been designed in such a way to make us weak. Because when men are strong in a culture, we can't, be, we can't be messed with, we can't be walked all over. And so I'm glad that I was able to wake up and return to the strength of my father so that I could raise my children to, to take on that banner of strength. Uh, and then I recognize my responsibility as a man, as a mentor, to speak into the hearts of young men not about being good boys anymore we can't be good boys anymore the whole good boy
0: uh paradigm is what got us into this mess we have to be strong men yes sir god bless, man that that fires me up so so I could not agree more, um, and the the fatherlessness issue is something that is just you know, and I agree, a lot of that has been by design too. And then you filter in education, and you filter in um, you know the 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 Hollywood perspective of you know the the good boy just gets older and becomes an older good boy and doesn't right. lead his wife right, and then there is no commitment that is there, and you've got all of those things that are working together to create all of these issues that we have now so you said you know you were you were fighting that culture as you grew up what was that turning point for you where you went you know what Um, dad's got a lot of this going on I, i need to kind of switch my tune was there you know was it something you read something you experienced what was that kind of transformational moment for you what did that look like
1: i'm a strength coach so i teach men how to be strong i train football players baseball players basketball players and one of the beautiful things about being a coach in the gym with young men is that afterwards they got questions right so hey Elliot what do you think about you know what happened with my girlfriend or, what do you think about you know going to college or career and things like that and um when I had to when I when I was approached with that and I realized wow they, they're coming to me I understood that I was able to speak to them because I had wisdom from my father and in that moment I realized, okay what i resented my entire life is exactly what i needed and what these young men are craving for is what they're not getting at home and that's not to say that you know to knock any any of your dads every single one of your fathers wherever they are either they did the best that they could with what they knew right because they were raised in the same garbage culture as us or uh if they were there they were you know, a lot of times were weak. I remember I remember seeing my friends' dads and wishing my dad was more like my friends' dad because my d- friends' dads were weak. And so they got to be able to do whatever they want. They could stay out late. They, you know, they did all kinds of stuff. And I was jealous. And then, like I said, when I started having, I took the, took on the responsibility of answering their questions because that's what I do for a living, essentially. I just get my opinion. I answer questions on YouTube. Uh, I started to tap into the wisdom that my father instilled into me. And it really, that was, I was, it was in my thirties until I finally realized, wow, this world is teaching us to be sissies. And even though my dad, I thought my dad was too hard, everything that he did and everything he said was correct. So I had to make a big U-turn in my life.
0: That's, that's awesome, man. So what did that look like for finding you know a big part of it for these young men as they grow older it's going to be um, understanding how to be that man that leader and leading by example and then there's the family part that comes into that And, and choosing a mate becomes something that is again culturally so convoluted and so messed up um and we are taught to be you know the our girls best friend which really means just a, a a feminine version of a male that you know is is trying to mimic what she's doing versus being the leader of the household being the masculine letting her be the feminine um how did that play out to to relationships and ultimately finding somebody who you are now building your own family with
1: oh well so for me like i said i'm just like you guys i grew up thinking the same things that they're pushing on you right now so uh, once again, just by the grace of God, I could take no credit for it. Uh, I got hooked up with a girl when I was 14 years old. I started dating her and she's my wife now. That's awesome. Very odd thing, a very strange thing. And even a thing that some people denigrate me for, because what we've been taught is that it's manly to be promiscuous. You know, the more girls you lay down, the more of a man that you really are. Well, I'm finding that that's actually not true. And that if we understand who the enemy is, and we understand their weapons, we gotta realize that they have weaponized our sexuality against us. And by promoting promiscuity, men, one of the biggest problems I see with the young men is they become addicted to sex. They become addicted to girls. Can't stop thinking about, and pornography does it to too. Can't stop thinking about girls, and the minute you get a girl, you guys maybe you are a bit young, but minute you start having sex with a girl, you become de- de- delusions. You put on these goggles and you can't see the toxic femininity that's in them. And so these girls walk all over dudes because they weaponize the vagina. That's what they're doing. When you have sex with them, they, it's like a, Venus penis fly trap.
0: That's right. they that's trap right. you with that's their right. vagina and it's like, boy, and then the boy
1: becomes soft and weak. Oh, what does the girl want? Oh, don't break my heart. Oh, what? And then you if you're a, like a drug addict, if you're addu- addicted to the enemy, I'm not calling women enemy. I'm saying if you're addicted to anything, the drug dealer, the person who has that, they become your lord. And so, you know, ever heard putting the putting the puss on the pedestal? Well, that's basically what it ends up happening. So one of the things that I promote, and which is very counterculture, it's very strange to hear somebody saying this right now, but I know the fruits of it because it was the life that I lived by chance. I call weaponized chastity. And if we stop having sex with all these girls, they have no power over us anymore, any longer. They can't push you around, tell you what to do. Uh, you're not to be heartbroken and soft. Uh, because you now are the gatekeeper. Women are supposed to be the gatekeeper to sex. That's how it's always been. But in the 1960s when they started having birth control pills and abortions and things like that, women just started throwing their legs open and and men. well, we were just like, sure, let's go along. Let's do whatever the girls want to do. And so that's how we fell into this gynocentric trap. I'm proposing that we, as hard as it sounds, fellas, don't lust after these girls, not because of some moral high ground, but because it's weaponized. Sex has been weaponized against you. If you guys ever wanna take a, a good dive into the study of this and the history of how we got here, look at the work of E. Michael Jones. He's got a book called Libido Dominandi," which means sexual domination. And so this is a tactic, a subversive tactic that has been used by communists for, for the longest time, but it's how the Bolshevik revolution, the Eastern revolution uh, unfolded. And the, in order for them to bring it to the West, they had to make men weak because the West was too strong. Western men were strong men, but when they started with the feminist uh, agenda, all of a sudden men started simping. You ever hear that word? Simp. That's a that's a word that is is so accurate with regard to how men are behaving these days. And when you simp, you can't be strong.
0: So, oh man, so well put, sir. Um, the 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 fact that you know, I love. Uh, we'll talk about it from the standpoint of well, if this other if this other guy can infuriate you, he owns you. If this social media comment gets you riled up and you have an emotional response to that and you choose to let that happen, well, then that person is owning you know that real estate in there. We don't talk enough about how much that also happens with the feminine culture and with the femininity and with the sexual promiscuity and, and how that does the exact same thing, man. It is such a powerful thing to recognize, to be able to avoid, uh, you know, to be able to avoid that battle altogether from the front. So powerful, man, so powerful. Yeah,
1: you know what turns women on more than anything? When you tell them
0: no. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? I know you guys, you're gonna wanna talk to the girls, that's what it is when you become a boy, but they know they can get you to do anything with, was between their legs. But if you say, oh, you know what? No, thanks. First, they're going to shame you. Oh, he must be gay or something. All right. They try to shame you. You shame tactics. And other men will do that to you, too. But I tell you that if you can maintain your frame and you can hold back and not fall into the trap of your lowest nature, you the sky is the limit for you because the the biggest stumbling block for men is porn and promiscuity right now.
0: Yes, sir. Man, so powerful. You guys, um, that's wisdom right there. So then, so now you're also a father. Now you're responsible for raising, you know, I believe, uh, is it four? Do you have four, sir? Yeah, four. Okay. So you have, so you have four. So you're raising these four now in this culture that is promoting that and in this culture that is actively battling you as a strong male figure. Um, you know, and it's, it is this constant battle. So what does that look like for you, uh, as a dad and the way you are, um, you know, going through education and, and all that, what are you guys doing as far as that goes?
1: I'll tell you what, I have three daughters, and while I'm looking around this room right now, you guys are about the age of my daughters, right around the age of my daughters. I'll tell you what, I'm raising my daughters to be good wives. That's a woman's greatest value is in her ability to be a good wife and mother. Not her big tits, not her, her, the, her short shorts or her pretty pictures on Instagram. All that is an illusion. All that is just there to, to distract you. So when I speak to my daughters and I train my daughters, unlike many strong fathers, they get this wrong, many strong fathers get this wrong. They raise their daughters to be strong, independent women who don't need no man, right? Thinking that they're doing something good for the world, but then they're going to send those girls out there and you guys are going to be looking for wives at some point, because that's the noble way to be a man is to be generative, to have a family. And if these women can't relate to that, they think that there's something oppressive about being a, you know, my wife is a home wife, she's a homeschooler, we homestead, the home is where the heart is. And that's where a woman belongs. They don't belong in the workforce with us. As crazy as that may sound coming from me, they belong at home, making children, but that the feminist world has taught them that they need to compete with us. And here's what happens when women compete with men. And you guys know this because you probably go to phys ed, you go to class and you have women, girls, little girls in your classes, men don't want to compete with women. Men don't want to compete with women because we wipe the floor with them. What are we going to play? Basketball? Soccer? Baseball? What? What are you guys doing? Do? Running, track, strength? We will destroy them every single time. So what the world tries to con- convince us of is that men are against women. Men men are fighting women or men are misogynists. That's not the truth. No man gets mad at a woman because she's competitive. We actually just turned off by them. It's like I don't want to play with you. I play basketball with the boys. You know when a girl comes along and you're playing a game and then she wants to play, it's like, and then yeah. you got to play nice <laughs> with her and <laughs> pretend <laughs> to <laughs> let her win and stuff like that. Yeah, that's because everything is is uh, is backwards and flipped around. I don't remember where I'm going with no, this. Man. <laughs> no man, no. But essentially, still. it's oh, but when men uh, when uh, women compete with men, they become angry at us because they they're jealous. Women are resentful. Freud, Sigmund Freud used to call it penis envy. Women have penis envy. That word is not so popular anymore because we live in you know gynocentric world. But the truth is, they want to be like you. They want to be you. And if you if you soften yourself up and bow down to them, they will resent
0: you, walk all over you, and hate you. Oh man! And so and and that's again now you're now you're raising these three young women in this world, and you're bringing these lessons to them so they understand. So they understand those things and the beauty that comes out of that. And it sounds so funny because we don't hear this. We don't hear these conversations, right? Um, gosh, internet unstable. You guys still have me okay? Here we go. I don't know why that okay, good. I don't know why that kicked out. So, you know, we don't we don't hear those conversations, but the reality is, you know, I remember who said this either, but a good man does all of the work to allow his wife to have the real job that matters, and it is that home front it is raising you know uh the good strong young kids on the homestead it is that collaborative it is the divide and conquer is the way it is supposed to be because that's what creates that you know that strength that unity that bind um i love that man i love that and the homeschooling part is great we you know i own a few schools out here in california but the schools are very different than schools It's it's night and day different. We're creating, um, you know, uh, uh, work environments for young people to come and figure out, you know, what they want to do, who they want to be. We're staying away from the indoctrination kind of stuff. There is none of that there. It's education versus a schooling. Um, So I have conversations with parents over and over and over again who don't want to homeschool. They don't think there is. And I'm like, man, I'm telling you, um, it is the way it always was. And it was that way for a reason.
1: Yeah, you guys, when you most of the schools, if you go to public schools, they're just indoctrination camps. Yes, sir. They're designed to turn you into sense. That's what the whole school system is designed to do, to make you weak and teach girls that they're supposed to. uh, In fact, it's not even about equality. They teach in girls that they're better than you. And it's okay for them to say that no boy could say, oh, I'm stronger than a woman, they'll they'll knock you down and they'll they'll drag your name through the mud. That's right. As soon as girls say we can do anything a man do. We're better than a man. We're better than boys." boys. they clap. The whole world is like, oh, that's great. You guys are awesome. It's a it, what they're doing is teaching hate. That's they're right. teaching hate. They're teaching us to hate each other rather than for rather than respecting and uh, and upholding our unique differences.
0: Man, so good. So true, man. I love it. So, um, and gentlemen, I want you guys, I know Trey, you've got your hand up. Gentlemen, go ahead and you can start getting hands up because I know you guys are going to have um, you know phenomenal questions. So just go ahead and start putting those hands up. Um, I want to jump to kind of what um, – what the day to day kind of looks like for you now, right? Because you have, you obviously got, um, you know, the the strong set of values, and you're raising a family, and you're doing things, and that's it's a beautiful thing. And I know you're helping other men, so you're a strong man coach, you're a strength coach, but you have groups of men that you also work with to get them to understand how to make these transitions. So, what does kind of day to day look like for you from a, um, you know, kind of from a business side, and practicality side for you?
1: Well, I I own a gym and I've had, I've had multiple gyms, but during the COVID situation, we had to close a bunch of them. So I was able to move out to the country just about six months ago. I left the city where my gym is and it's being run totally by my business partner. And I'm out here in the country. And the reason why I moved out here is to do homesteading. We live on a cattle ranch now and uh, we we just got a a few heads of cattle, about seven of them. Uh, My wife is in the other room right now, homeschooling the kids. Uh, And we, we live like they did in the old days. And I think this is what's coming back. What's coming back is tradition, right? For too long, we have been told that, oh, progress. we got to keep progressing. But if you, if you know what they call never-ending progress when it happens in the body, when, there's, when, there's, when the cells keep splitting? They call it cancer. Continual progress is actually cancer. That's what it is. It's a cancer to our society. What we need is to, is to go back to our health. Health is found in tradition. Our ancestors, and I know you guys are—we're are, are, all in the kind of the same boat because anybody born after the 1950s, we are victims of this ideological subversion that is basically a communist takeover of our entire culture. And if you look to tradition, meaning prior to the 1950s, one of the things that the culture tells us is that you know things were bad back then. But I will tell you what, marriages didn't weren't destroyed. People stayed together. Promiscuity didn't exist, so there was less addiction. All, all addiction is a form of the wounded lover. Anytime we're wanting or hankering or we're needing, especially sex or just, uh, then it turns into drugs and alcohol, all those things really didn't exist to the way that it does right now. Even addiction to technology, this is all adding to the effeminacy. So one of the things that uh, I'm aiming to do here is to bring back what once was, when men were men, women were women, we were supposed to be strong, expected to be strong, and women were expected to be women. And so it sounds kind of crazy, I know because we've been kind of you know, told the wrong thing, but a woman is most happy. A woman is her happiest when she's being feminine, and what does a feminine woman do? She wants to give herself to a man, to be a, to be a wife. To be led by a strong man, that's part of a problem here and why I do what I do these days, which is online coaching with, similar to what you guys are doing right here because yes, I wanna sir. raise, I wanna help men be the type of husbands that I'm raising my daughters to be good wives towards. But this all requires a return to tradition. I'm noticing a big trend and maybe because I live in a bubble, but well, I noticed this trend amongst Generation Z. Gen Z is hungering for, hankering for uh, tradition. I see There's a movement in the Catholic Church, I'm Catholic, and the Catholic Church has completely, totally been subverted and has turned pretty gay. And now there's a traditionalist movement happening in the church, and it's it's a means of going back to the 2,000 year old traditions and women dress like women when they go there, men behave and act like men, and the entire thing is like you walk in and it's a throwback to like, you know, the 1500s or before. So I think the way forward for us is the way backwards. And it's strange because uh, it almost is like you have to be, you have to be wealthy to live like poor people did back yeah. in the day, right? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, you didn't want to live on a farm because farming was weak. I mean, farming was not much money made in it. But now when everybody's seen going is completely garbage, They want to return to tradition. People want a homestead. I see a lot of your generation kids realizing that, you know, the the American dream was a farce and they've been lying to us to make us customers to buy stuff that we don't really need. And so my day-to-day life is looking more and more like a man from the 1800s, really
0: oh man dude i love this right and ryan and i have been talking about that a lot lately too obviously he moved out to he moved out to maine you know we just bought a farm too out in uh in uh north carolina i mean i live on a little ranch here in a very non-california part of california but um you know homestead and raising livestock and <laughs> and so man like it, it, dude we see it we see it and you're not wrong about gen z too so you know i've gotten to uh Uh, Part of the way that I, you know, I got to schools and we had our, you know, Tim and I with the mentorship program, but um, working with organizations and and keynotes and consulting and and been doing that for a long time, mostly around generations and generational trends, and that is one of the key things people need to understand about Gen Z is that shift towards valuing traditional metrics more so than previous generations you're you're spot on with that man and that's a good thing you mentioned
1: the cycle earlier and you know maybe we're talking about where we are you know strong men create good times well right at the pinnacle of that because if you look at it as a circle strong men create hard good times good times create weak men good times create weak men because you don't have to do anything yes sir life is easy right weak men create hard times that's the millennials that's me gen z and the millennials We create, we're the men who created the hard times that your generation is going to endure. But I tell you what, hard times create strong men. I'm convinced your generation is going to be the warrior generation. Your generation is not going to get pushed over and walked over and subverted like mine and the the millennials. Your generation is going to wake up. We have no choice. You're going to be forced to wake up. You guys are the ones that are going to pick up your swords and carry us cares the next way
0: yes sir god could not agree more yeah i love it brother all right gentlemen um we're gonna come in make sure the questions are strong and succinct trey you are up sir uh first off let's say thank you for coming on this call um and my question is uh what do you think is the biggest problem in the world right now and what do you think we could do to change it
1: so remember i spoke about you guys might remember this from uh history class if they're even teaching this anymore because they're trying to hide but we gotta understand who the enemy is. And 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 I make no bones about it, it's cultural Marxism. And if you study Karl Marx and you understand the revolution that happened in Eastern Europe and how it's made its way here since World War II, you will see very easily the tactics that they're using. The top tactic that uh, Antonio Gramsci, who was the man who coined the term cultural Marxism, understood, was that you had to destroy the father and fathers, both fathers. The word father means pattern. What is a pattern? A pattern is a blueprint for how things are supposed to be. Prior to this revolution, men were religious. And men were religious and prayed to what? And looked to what? Sought what? God the Father. We don't do that anymore. We become a secular society. Most people are atheists, they hate religion. And with that, I mean, because that was the plan was to make us hate religion and to hate God. When you hate God the Father, you can't be a man yourself because you have no atonement to the pattern that makes you a man. So it was number one, you had to destroy religion. You had to get the Father out of our system. So now they've won that. Step two is remove fathers. you remove the fathers by creating tension between male and female, by destroying gender polarity, uh, part of the reason why you guys go to school with girls. Prior to this, prior to the early 1900s, boys and girls went to different schools. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to pervert that, blend us into one another, make boys, girls, girls, boys. But anyway, that all turned into what we see today in terms of broken homes, broken families, fatherless boys, fatherless children, so in terms of what the biggest problem is, this root of those two big problems have been the subversion that caught us, causes us to hate God the Father and to not know our earthly
0: fathers. Powerful. Powerful, love it. Malachi, you're up, sir. All right, thank you, sir, for being on. You are probably one of my favorite that we've had on. I'm really enjoying this. Um, so. My question for you is talking about um, being a good man, being a leader, being in charge, being able to say no to a woman. What is the middle ground? What is your middle ground for being able to say no and be in command without you know being a bad man being um, almost oppressive to you?
1: The number one thing that a man needs to know in order to play the role you just described is what his mission is in life. What is he doing? And that my answer for what a man's mission is very different than what you're going to get in the world. They've been telling us that your mission is to make a lot of money and to floss, you know, buy a buy fancy cars and to live a fast life. That's not a man's true, true vocation there. In my opinion, there's only two true vocations, and that's fatherhood to be a husband or to be a monk. And either way, you're fulfilling your role uh, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, strong man, a real a good man, um, with regard to women, cause it sounds like that's what you're asking. You have to, we have to, as men, like I said, use what I call, uh, uh weaponized chastity. We have to deal with these women only if she is worthy of our life force, our energy, meaning she's going to become my wife. I tell my guys, do not mess with any woman. Don't even look at another woman. Don't mess with these women at all if you don't plan on putting babies in her. And you guys are a little too young for that. The world is telling you you need to go out there and have a bunch of sex. The reason why they're telling you to go have a bunch of sex with a bunch of girls is so you become a simp, so you become weak. If you want to deal with these women in an upright way and for them to respect you, you say no not because you want control, which you'll get. You'll get control if you say no, that's all you gotta do. You don't have to to do anything except say no and you have control, but that no has to be subservient to a bigger yes. And so the mission in terms of dealing with women is, are you fit to be a wife? And you gotta understand that there are very specific, very specific details of what makes a good wife. Right? And it's not what the world has been telling us. So you gotta deal with these women as somebody who would be like, for example, a CEO of a company, right? If you're a CEO and you're gonna bring on a, a business partner, an operations manager, someone who's gonna run the business with you, you're not gonna hire a guy, you're not gonna bring on a partner because he has, he's, he's pretty or because he's got big boobs or because of anything else except he knows how to run this operation. He's honest, he's got integrity, He's willing to follow my lead. He sees the value in my leadership and he's going to be an asset to what I'm building here. And when it comes to women, you don't build anything with a woman except a family. There's no other reason to be, to hang out with women, be with women, do anything with women, stay away from them, unless you plan on making a family. And if you have that kind of discipline to say no, and also that kind of conviction about your mission, about what you're going to create, if I'm going to deal with you, She will, first of all, this turns women on because they never hear anybody talk this way. Number one. And number two, they want to, it's strange as it sounds, they want to follow a strong man. They will fight you, they'll shit test you, they'll pretend like they don't. But ultimately, the man that wins is the one that they'll they'll listen to and follow. So if, if your yes is clear, and you can paint that picture for her, she will follow you to the ends of the earth.
0: That's right. And byproduct of that is other men will follow that lead as well. I mean, that's that's just it. And the world and the doors will open, the opportunities will open, the relationships will open, the opportunities to build yourself from you know business standpoint, from a relational standpoint with another man, from that, like it is it is the genesis from all of those good things. Yep, beautiful. Yes, sir. Oh man, beautiful. Perfect, thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. You got it, brother. Kaleo, you're up, sir.
1: Well, sir. So it's
0: my focus, and most of my brothers here on this call today have has just been on, um, I guess, building themselves up, becoming better. And I, I guess, I guess thought of how to be a good husband. And recently, I've thought a little bit. And it's very convenient that you're on here. What are the attributes that could make or define a good wife?
1: Okay. So let's go back to the business analogy, right? And so, you know, I'm pretty sure you haven't started a business yet, but when you're starting a business and you're going to bring on a partner, they have to bring something to the table. They got to bring something to the table. First of all, they should know their value of what they're bringing to the table. When it comes to women, don't let it be sex. Every woman has a vagina. Sex is not what you bring to the table. That's cheap. What... A worthy business partner, just like a wife brings to the table, are the things that you need for that business to run smooth. For example, my wife is very clean. She's, she doesn't leave dishes in the sink. The house isn't a mess. The laundry isn't done. I need somebody who's orderly, right? She's, she keeps things in order. She doesn't, she's not a mess. My mother used to say a lazy woman is a nasty lazy. She can't be nasty. You gotta pick this up pick this up right away because a lot of these women don't even know how to do their own laundry. If you're gonna live in a house that is run well, and my house is managed by my wife, she's my manager. You can say I'm the president, she's the manager. It's that manager has to be able to know how to manage the household. Can she do, she does the books for my business. Can she do the books? Um, so you gotta ask yourself, what kind of life do I want and can this person help me be my helpmate? Can this person help me achieve the type of dream that I have, the mission that I'm on through the skill sets that she has? Look for women with skill sets, not a woman that is an academic, but a woman who is industrious, who's hardworking, not hardworking in trying to make money and climb the corporate ladder, but hard. I know I started dating my wife when she, we were 14 years old, it's the craziest thing. But I knew right away because this girl was like cleaning my room. I was like, why well, I she clean my room? She learned how to cook. She didn't know how to cook because her mom was a feminist. My mom knew how to cook. Don't marry a woman that don't know how to cook because the way to a man's heart is through his belly. You got to be able to feed me. Don't give me hot pockets and pizza. You got <laughs> to know how right. to clean a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know how to boil rice. You know to, Because I, we're going to have children. You got to know how to feed the children, you know how to take care of the children. These are just a few things to look for. They're, they're sort of common sense things but then beyond that, you have to you have to recognize or you have to deal with a woman that is willing to understand gender roles a lot of these girls and it's, it's men's fault too a lot of these girls they want to push you around and tell you what to do and they want to be in charge but a, a good wife is a submissive woman. A woman but the only way a woman is going to be submissive is if you're a strong man a trustworthy man I don't want to pin it all on women a part of the reason why women are so uh, harsh these days is because and you guys are kind of young, so maybe you don't see it, but you're going to see it. Is because men are weak and they're used to dealing with weak men that don't speak up, that don't sit, don't do the right thing, don't honor their word, right? So you got to show yourself to be a worthy man, but then you have to have high standards for these girls. And once again, not to be the dead horse, sex is not it.
0: Yep. Uh, so good, man. So Thank you, sir. Beautiful. We got last two gents. Aiden, you were up, sir. Thanks for coming on Mr. Hall. So the first thing I wanted to say is actually meeting you today is it's kind of hard because I've been I've been so long now and I wanted to say that you've you've actually helped me from going to a from a borderline obese kid to actually being a state champion powerlifter ah, in, in Pennsylvania. That's so, amazing. Thank you. For yeah. that. Congrats. So I I, I Thank you. I really do appreciate that. But with that being said, it's, it's really interesting following you for as long as I have. It's, inter- it's interesting to hear the perspective that you have now and the position that you're in now, because at a certain point, you're almost antithetical to that, talking about embracing your feminiti- femininity and, and, and going and e- exploring these spiritual realms and, and everything else. So could you just talk a little bit about where that came from, where that shift from, yo, Elliot, to, to this kind of phase, where that came from?
1: I'm in the same boat as all of you guys, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I believe what the world taught me. I believe what was popular in the culture. So I was doing what the world expected me to do. And it was like, well, this is what they say men should do and men should be. And if I'm going to be, and this is really was my sentiment, if I'm going to be a mentor to men, then I got to figure out what the right way is. I have to learn by experience. I'm a philosopher, so I like ideas. But unless I try it out myself, I don't feel fit. Also, integrity is, is super important for me. So, unless I can speak from experience, I have a hard time speaking to people on things. So, when I talk to you guys about the effeminacy that plagues our culture, it's not because I saw it from the outside looking in. I dove right in to see, okay, well, is this what we're supposed to do? And it was about a three years phase there where I, I dabbled in it. And then on the, on the, on the, end of it, at the end of it, I was like, okay, this is not working. This is this is not the right way. I don't even feel like myself. I was like, there's got to be another way. And that's when I change
0: my tune. One of the and I and I again, I should I always want to give credit where credit is due, but I don't know who who spoke to this. But, you know, there is, um, you know, somebody said something to the effect of of one of the uh, signs of an intelligent mind is the ability to change your mind when better evidence is presented, right? The ability and the willingness to go, okay, wait a second, you know what? Better evidence is now presented and I've learned this through experience. And so I'm going to go ahead and change my mind. I'm not gonna dig my heels in and go, nope. Well, I've already, I'm gonna die on this hill, man. Even though no, if you see you see something is better and makes more sense, has more logical evidence to it and you shift, that is yeah. that is an intelligent, mature individual, right?
1: It takes humility too. Yes, sir. For me to, cause I'm standing here right now and I'm saying, I was wrong. Yes, sir. I made a mistake. That was not the right way. I'm happy. I did it so I can tell you it's a mistake That's right. because if I don't do that and people will be like, Oh, Elliot, cause you know, people who don't know me, they'll be like, Oh, you just was always a toxic man. And this is the way this guy is. No, no, no. I did the feminist thing. I tried that out. I wanted to see if that was what y'all are saying it is and you were wrong. So yeah. now I have to stay in here and take credit. I have to stand here and uh, humble myself and say, Yeah, I did that, I was wrong, and that's why I turned around.
0: That's right, and that's why you're able to do it so strongly and, again, so authentically, because you have experienced it, man. That's so valuable. Oh, so good, man. I'm Uh, glad you made this shift, sir. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Younger Elliot, you got a question for the older Elliot. Hi, sir. It's a pleasure to meet you. What worries you the most about this, this century?
1: I I sense that we're at the end of an age, meaning there's a lot of collapse happening around us, and a lot of it's being orchestrated since 2020. And so we've had this pandemic, but I think the pandemic is just the opening salvo to a long drawn out revolution, a global revolution that's underway. If you look into it, some people call it the Great Reset. And, uh, and a part of, in order to foment this revolution, They have to create outcasts. They have to create separation. They have to create a good guy and a bad guy. And according to the narrative, I'm a bad guy. And so what worries me, you know, beyond that is that life as we've known it, right? And you guys are still very young, but life as I've known it and my parents grew up is no longer ceases to exist. It's gonna be very, very different. And so the narrative has to change. And my, you know, I don't know if I'm worried because I'm taking action as a result of it, but your generation, my children's generations, uh, you're, you're going to have to be very different. You're going to be very different than we are. You're going to be a lot stronger than we are. I'm a, a, part, a part of that effeminate generation, uh, and, and I see you guys as taking the next step, but it's going to be hard. I was watching, my, my children, my daughter watches TikTok. She was showing me TikTok she showed me this new kid that's blowing up on TikTok. And uh, his whole channel was about how to be poor, but he was doing it in like a fun way. It was like, here's how you can live with no money. Here's how you can buy cheap food. Here's how you can live in a tiny little square with very little uh, um, furniture and still have a good time. The whole, and people are eating it up. The kid is charismatic, it's cool, but I know that they're putting him on. They're they're boosting him because they're preparing you guys, they're preparing your generation to be destitute. They're preparing you to suffer. And that's gonna look like being poor, being broke, fighting for crumbs. And that's essentially what's coming.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. Got it, brother. You are spot on. All right, Paul, I see you got it in there. So Paul's question is going to be the last one, and then I have um, one or two follow-ups for Mr. Hulse and we want to respect his time. Paul, go ahead, sir. First of all, thank you for coming on to the call, sir. My question is the sword in the background. It looks very familiar. My brother used to have a sword, and it was basically a model of David's sword, and I was wondering if it was that.
1: Uh... I don't think so. <laughs> it's just a sword I bought on Amazon, you know, <laughs> just to be completely honest. I thought it looked cool. It's uh it's a Knights Templar, they call it a Knights Templar sword.
0: Okay. And the actual real question was, does that have some form of symbolic value to you? Ooh.
1: Oh yeah. Have you guys ever read, I would invite you to read a book if you haven't, called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. You guys familiar with that book? By Robert Moore. Very interesting book. In this book, he describes, uh, he's he's a neo-Jungian. So that means that he takes a lot of his ideas from a, a psychologist called by the name of Carl Jung. Carl Jung believed that the psyche, right? You could refer to it as the soul if you like, is quadrated and it makes perfect sense. There's four parts to what makes us who we are. And as men, there's mythological language to describe each four of those parts. You have an inner king, you have a warrior on the inside, you have a magician, and you have a lover. And these four aspects of a man, when they are fully accessed and in balance, proper balance, meaning there's a hierarchy too, that you are your best, you're you're hitting on all cylinders. And so for the most part of my life, I have, I've had a cramp in the warrior, right? I'm a fighter and I'm a goer. And, I'm, and so in order to, to, to recognize that and the value thereof and to never lose it, even as I grow older and my testosterone drops and I have different responsibilities and I'm becoming an elder, I'll never put that sword down. That sword will always be with me because there's always going to be work to do. There's always going to be an enemy to fight. There's always going to be a reason to pick up your sword and be divisive, be decisive, be disciplined. See these things that are required to be a man. And so that sword represents the mythical quality of the inner warrior. Now, of course, I got other symbols around here too. We've got Christ the King, that's the inner king. My lover aspect is represented in every aspect of my life in my family, right? Magician right, is where I pray and I meditate and I seek divine assistance. So these are all different ways that we honor those four parts of us. Carl Jung didn't describe it in mythological language. The king, warrior, magician, and lover are aspects of being. Your inner king is being. And the, and the being aspect is very strange because we're so used to doing. Doing is the warrior. We're very used to thinking. Thinking is the magician. We're very used to feeling, and especially in this world, we have a lot of disordered feelings. And so those three aspects are usually highly emphasized, right? In school, they teach you to think. At work, they want you to do, 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 do. With regard to what we've been talking about, they want you to be emotional. They want you to be effeminate. They want you to be soft. But all those, those three aspects when they serve your inner king, your quality called being, which sounds so mystical, right? What does it mean to be? How do you do being, Elliot? How do you think being? What do you feel when you're being? It's none of those things. Your inner king is a matter of being still and allowing the still small voice or grace from God to guide your life, because that is where the king gets his power not from thinking overthinking things not from being frantic in activity and damn sure not being addicted to pornography or video games
0: or girls man you guys y'all is beautiful i mean so much wisdom there um my friend, man, so, so appreciative of you, man. So as, as we're going forward, these guys are, are doing the things I want. I've written down a couple of those books that, uh, that you threw out there and I want to put those on our, um, on our recommended list, uh, on everything too. And we want to, of course, link to, to what you're doing, cause this is going to go out as an episode of the essential 11 as well. Um, and, and go to all the subscribers. How can we support you? Where would you have people go projects you're working on anything you'd want us to check out brother?
1: All I would say is if you like the things I'm talking about, and you vibe with my style, check me out on YouTube. I have two channels. I have one that's Strength Camp, where I'm teaching you how to lift. I kind of do that a little bit today, but that's something I did more in the past. Most of my videos are on my Elliot Hulse channel where I'm talking about things that you guys are talking about here. So that might be interesting to you.
0: Absolutely, interesting, man. I so appreciate you, man. Appreciate you being one of these leaders um, that the world needs, man, and leading by example and leading from the front, um, both in the public eye and as well, you know, even more importantly at home, man, it's, uh, you know, I, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more good men that were doing this and I wish more would stand up and be vocal, man. So thank you for what you're doing, brother.
1: Yeah, man. And, and I want to acknowledge what you're doing as well, man. This is pretty cool, man, to see that you really working with the, the seedlings for the next oak trees that are going
0: yes, to proliferate
1: the force of our world. You guys are going to be strong, strong, stoic, stable men is what the world needs. And it starts with you guys. Your generation's it. These guys that you're talking to, I you know, they always say, oh, the children of the future but well, it don't mean a good future. Just look at the millennials. That's right. The children of the future. We're at the future now, and look. Now what? Yikes. Yes, sir. You guys are a different kind of future. You guys are the resurgence of strong masculine men future.
0: So good. So grateful, brother, man. I'm going to reach out. Um, I got some things I'd like to send you. It's just kind of a thank you for, for your time and stuff, too. So I'll reach out to you this weekend um, if that's OK and anything I can do on yeah. that. Gentlemen, let's give a big thank you to Mr. Holst for his time and his wisdom.
1: Thank you very much, sir. Thank Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. My pleasure.
0: Stay strong, man. There you go, man. Agree or disagree, doesn't matter. You cannot help but respect uh, the man coming strong with his opinions. Very articulate. Great dude. um, Poured into these young men and it was absolutely a pleasure to connect with them and to have him on. So uh, give it a like, give it a share, all that good stuff. and appreciate you all listening. Give him a follow at Elliot Hulse on IG. Um, Jump on his YouTube. Check out Strength Camp. Uh, He's doing a lot of really good things and pouring into a lot of really good people. And appreciate you all being good people and following along on this journey. We'll catch you guys next time.